in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? On Saturday, the Las Vegas Aces set the franchise record for points in a quarter with 38 in the third quarter. Last night, they broke that again, scored 39 points in the first quarter against the L.A. Sparks, a new franchise record for points scored in a single quarter. They also set a franchise record and tied the WNBA record by hitting 18 three-pointers in the game last night against the Sparks. Uh, The Sparks, by the way, only made five. And the Aces won 104 to 76. Juggernaut, seven and one. Can't be. They gonna lose again? Uh, yes, eventually. <laughs> um, <laughs> last night, though, was the perfect game to illustrate why the Aces needed to move on from Bill Lambeer and Liz Cambage. Liz Cambage was on the spark. She played. 20-something minutes, had 10 points, 4 rebounds, was relatively ineffective. Non-existent. Uh, But what the Aces did and what they've been doing this year, they spaced the floor as well as any WNBA team does. They shoot threes. Obviously, last night was the best they've ever had in franchise history. And it makes Liz Cambage, who is a terrific rim defender and a terrific offensive player in the post, irrelevant. Right. That's what's happened to the Aces in the postseason a couple of times now where they play teams that have spread them out. And when Bill Lambeer was here and they wanted to play two bigs all the time, they got spread out and they couldn't defend Elena Deladon or Brianna Stewart. Now, the Aces are the ones spreading out other teams. And that was the perfect example as to why they needed to move on from Lambeer and Liz Cambage. Despite how much success they had. I mean, they were a very good team the last three seasons. Last night was a perfect reason why what they're doing now is better. I mean, the best thing he did, right, was uh, the number one picks and draft, you know, really good players, and then they just didn't play the right system. Right. I mean, Jackie Young Young. was like a role player in Bill Lambeer's, on Bill Lambeer's teams. And, you know, as a rookie, what you can give her time to adjust, but like, she's going to like lead this team in scoring. Like, she's had multiple massive games where she's been incredible. And it's like under Lambeer, you'd have been like, oh, who's that? But now with the floor space, we've, we're starting to realize, oh, people can't really stay in front of her one-on-one. And when there's not three people standing in the paint, yeah, she gets gets a layup. Yeah. And Kelsey plums in the same way, right? They've got multiple guards who can beat people off the dribble. It's just in the past. We didn't get to see that very much. I wonder if SantaCon is the one thing that won't eventually get that reappraisal. Because I remember people used to stun on Guy Fieri like this. And at this point, he's like, everybody agrees that Guy Fieri is like the most important American. Mm-hmm. Like that if he ran for president as on either party with any platform, he would certainly win 60% of the vote. Yes. The Tampa Bay Lightning swept the Florida Panthers by winning game 4 2 nothing. Florida outshot Tampa 49-25. to but the Panthers scored a total of three goals in the entire series. 
It just seems like Vasilevsky just waits around for the playoffs. He goes, all right, it's time now. Nah. He's, he's amazing. All goalies are meatbags. I blame the Panthers. Oh, no. Who do you blame? The Panthers. For not scoring on their yeah. 49 shots? Come on, score. Vasilevsky. What are you doing? Score. Andre Vasilevsky is a meat bag. Put one in the back of the grinder. Meat bag. I mean, if you're good at hockey, it doesn't matter where the goalie is. You're gonna you're gonna create chances that you score on. Then, if the Knights have taught me anything, especially in random series, you aim directly at the goalie's chest. Of the Florida Panthers did for four games, put it right into the logo. That's what they're shooting. Oh, I had some good saves last night. I had to switch over from basketball. Well, like two, like two good saves. We all had two. Um, well, then it would have been 2-2. Two, two. So, obviously, they've won a couple Stanley Cups, but this is John Cooper's ninth season with Tampa Bay. This is now their fifth trip to the conference finals. Man, when you're looking for a coach, if you don't have a coach, you're out there looking. You got to get the next Johnny Cooper. Five times in nine seasons, they've been one of the last four teams playing. That's amazing. Incredible. Incredible. Like, I think that's more impressive than the back-to-back Stanley Cups. To be five times in nine years, you're one of the last Why, because four hockey's standing. dumb? Yeah, it just like I mean, they got they got beaten the first round a couple of years ago, and now they haven't lost a playoff series since. But like, yeah, we see good teams all the time losing the postseason. We've covered a hockey team that continues to be losing to teams worse than them in the postseason. Like it happens all the time, and for right. them, five times in nine years to be one of the final four teams standing is amazing. It's incredible. My favorite John Cooper thing is that he didn't play hockey; he played lacrosse. <laughs> And he practiced law for five years and just basically was like, I guess I'm going to be a hockey coach now. Maybe that's who the Golden Knights <laughs> So are they like Can going to random law schools, checking off, did you play lacrosse? Yeah. Come on in. Like, that's I, what's taken so long. Their cross-referencing has taken a long time to find the lacrosse law that's school why, That's why there hasn't been a coach name? Yeah. I saw the groins aren't very good usually. Summerlin. John Cooper's not a very good lacrosse name, though. What are we doing there? The Avalanche won both games in St. Oh. Louis. They now have a 3-1 series lead. They won uh, last night 6-3. Nazem Kadri recorded a hat trick. Did you see David Perron's attempted cheap shot at Nazem Kadri? Yes. After one, yeah, he what, tried. What's he doing? He tried. What is David Perron doing? No. He's, he's like, headhunting the guy after the after play's the over? After the play's over, yeah. Well... I mean, you saw the death threats. You well, saw what you saw you what his know. wife put out on Twitter. Yes, they took some runs at him last night. Which they took some runs at him. What's which, going on from the Blues there? Well, I mean, I thought I, again. I go back to the play. I didn't even think it was a dirty play. Not him and I don't remember who. Somebody else from the Blues went into Bennington went into the together. Bennington. Yeah, exactly. Like, sure, I guess there could have been more of an effort to stop ten feet earlier, but it's not like we haven't. Seen goalie I mean, collisions they're on before, ice. right? Yeah. Like it's not like he just straight up took out Jordan Bennington. No. Like what, here's here's I think a question for the the Blues, the players: Are they mad at Nazem Kadri if Jordan Bennington gets up and is perfectly fine after that? Uh, are they not still to the mad? Le- not to the level of last night? Yeah, like not to the level. Anytime of last your goalie night. gets touched, you're mad right. for in like the, in the moment. But if he's okay, it's just in the moment. Right. If yeah. Bennington jumps up and is fine, then David Perron's not. He might get he might get him. pushed or cross checked right. or like you know they might put him down on the ice. But that would that would be it. Yeah. It but Perron's not trying to go shoulder to head no. after the play is over because the right. guy scored. I'm right. just the obviously doesn't need to be said, but the death threats are. Don't do that. Like, that's bad. Nazem Kadri's dealing with a lot of racist and pr- problematic messages that he's getting. But that's fans that are morons and right. they got to, fi- they got to, that shouldn't happen. But for the players to be right. like, oh, we're still mad at you because 
Yeah, they went after him a couple you times. You collided last with night. our goalie, and we're going to yeah. try to take cheap shots at you. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, Perron didn't get him. Tried. Should he be suspended for that? I saw a tweet this morning that the safety is definitely going to look at it. Like, there's got to be some level of vote. You, you were trying. You, you, you were trying to hit him in the Like, head. you didn't, but you were trying. Yeah. So I, I'm curious to see if the NHL does anything to David Perron because if if he had hit him in the head. Oh, Perron's done for like the that. series, yes, done yeah. for however long the yeah. Blues are playing. If he, if he did that? Yeah, yeah. after the play, after yes. the guy scores. After he scores and you you yeah. skate by him and whack him in the head? Oh, yeah. yeah. Cheap shot? Yeah. So I have to imagine if he Tried. attempted and missed, that's still worthy of something. One game, maybe? I would. I don't know. Maybe? That makes sense to me, but I don't, I don't know what the NHL's precedence is on, well, you didn't actually hit the guy, but we think you wanted <laughs> right. to. Next question. Oh, these are the best reports. Baker Mayfield not at Brown's OTAs. So voluntary workouts. In the world's the quarterback. We've had a <laughs> this is a good question. Uh we've had a Nick few Foles. few players that are not showing up. Baker Mayfield, not a big surprise. Will he would he ever show up? Like if the Browns don't trade him, does he ever show up? Well, what if uh, they the fines? What if they suspend Watson for eight, nine, ten games? I mean, if you're the Browns, I think you'd love for Baker Mayfield to be a quarterback for eight, nine. That's games. what I'm saying. But but, but but what would Baker Mayfield? Think I can't about imagine it? Baker Mayfield does that. Why would I get uh, injured when I need to go somewhere well, else? You made a good point, though. Starting in, tra- uh, in training camp, it's 50 G's a, ga- a day. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. Yeah. You, you stay you stay oh. out a week. I mean, I know these guys make a lot of money, and Baker Mayfield makes a lot of money. It's still fifty thousand. I, I mean, I would show up. But yeah, I, I would know. laugh any time they go, hey, Baker, why don't you warm up? Not going to do that. I mean, that. I don't know how happy I would be, but it's a lot of money. Yeah, I I don't know what happens here. There was also a report yesterday that the Browns are going to offer to, like, take a chunk, pay a chunk of his contract to make a trade work because he's going to make, like, $18 million this right. year. And so they're like, hey, Carolina or Seattle, we'll pay $10 million. Please take Baker Mayfield right. from us. So I'm... I don't know because the other part of it is if you're one of those other teams, do you really want to have Baker Mayfield? I mean, if you're Carolina, you just drafted Matt Corral. If you trade for Baker Mayfield and you play him and he's good, then you have to pay him and give him a long contract and he's making a bunch of money. But if you play him and he sucks, then you just wasted a year of seeing if Matt Corral's any good. Whereas the flip side, let's say you play Matt Corral and he sucks. Okay. Now, you know, he sucks. But if you play Matt Corral and he's good, you got four years, three more years sure, of Matt on Corral a on a rookie contract, right. which is more valuable than anything Baker right. Mayfield's probably going to give you. So I just maybe Seattle makes some sense because it's like oh, you got it's Drew Locke and Baker Mayfield's like a better version of Drew Locke. Like, but Carolina doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know. It's just it's they. I don't feel like there's many. Teams, They're not in a good spot. Yeah, there's not many teams that would be like, yeah, Baker no, would. They're help definitely us. not in a good spot. So. They're gonna. They're almost Did gonna you, have to have a starting quarterback like get hurt. It's interesting in though. Now, 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 because they haven't been able to move him. Now the next thing is, well, we'll pick up a bunch of his salary. Because I don't think they've said this before, have they? Uh, I don't think they've insinuated that. Hey, we're gonna pick up yeah. a lot of his contract. But now, obviously, there's no takers for this guy at 18 million. Yeah. So we'll just pick up a bunch of the money. It's funny because they are the team that did this kind of in reverse. Well, not even in reverse. Sort of like catty corner where they took Brock Osweiler and basically went, we'll eat, we'll, we will take his payroll. 
you send us some picks and we'll just eat it and release him. Yeah. I, I don't understand why a team that's like trying to hit the salary floor wouldn't just be like, yeah, we'll take him and we'll send you a second round pick. Great question. Forgot to get to this. Did you see the report in Tampa or from Florida that the Panthers went to a strip club after game three and before game four? I have now. A radio show, the Pat and Aaron show on 95.3 in Tampa reported. They remember back-to-back games, game three and four were on back-to-back yeah, the days. back-to-back nights. That the Panthers were seen at a strip club after game three. Well, it is Tampa. I hope it's true. Yeah, I mean, it would be... Also, make, be, I don't blame them at all. Much better story. Because they went down 3-0. 3-0. Don't blame them at all. Series is over. And you're in Tampa for one more day for free. And it is Tampa. Yeah, I don't blame them at all. If it was like a 2-1 series, then eh, I might blame you a little bit. But down 3-0, series is over. Go for it. Go for it. Game four doesn't matter. Irrelevant. <laughs> go for it. Better series. Closer series. All right, we'll talk. But 3-0, go for it. Coming up next, Charles McDonald joins the show. The biggest thing in a team is just trusting each other, trusting the guys in the locker room, but also the staff. And that's something clearly we didn't have a lot of last year. I think our locker room did a great job last year of staying together, but just it's cool to see him make that a priority. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Joining us now is Charles McDonald. All right, Charles. Uh, Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban. Are we all hoping they both somehow take each other down in this entire argument? Uh, I don't really care who wins or who loses. I just think it's funny that two 50-year-old men are just out here scrapping like this over, like, they're both paying their players, okay? Like, I don't understand why Nick Saban is doing this. Uh, and uh, honestly, with Nick Saban, like, he knows Jimbo well enough to know that that was not going to go well. Um, so, it's like, to me, like, I, I said it on, on Feinbaum's show yesterday. It's kind of like, it's was out here talking to crap about the Green Goblin. Like, you know Green Goblin's going to do something crazy the next day because, uh, he's crazy. And, like, I don't think anyone should be surprised that Jimbo was out here saying, like, Oh, well, you, if you look at Nick Saban's past, then you're going to find some stuff that won't make you happy because Jimbo was right there doing the nasty work with him, too. Uh, they, were, they were together at LSU for six years. And for one of those years, they had Kirby Smart on the staff, too, in 2004. You're going to tell me that Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, and Jimbo Fisher, three of the best recruiters in the country right now, weren't cheating together at LSU. LSU was just like, okay, before they got there and all of a sudden it's a powerhouse. Nick, what are you doing, dude? Uh, I think that Nick knew he messed up because Jimbo said that Nick tried to call him the day before, uh, before he went on that press conference and apologized. But, no, that's crap. Like, if you're going to say that stuff about me in public, I want your apology to be in public, too, because you don't get, you don't get to have it both ways. Like, you don't get to win in public by saying we're paying all these players, which is true. And also, you know, come on, you know, in private and say, oh, I'm sorry, because no one else is going to see that. So if you're going to apologize, come do it out in public, come do it in person, because, uh, you know, I, I, to me, that was Nick Saban trying to, like, uh, you know, I guess get both ways in that situation. And honestly, it was just dumb. Like, am I, why would I accuse someone that I've done multiple crimes with of doing a crime when they already got there on me? Like, that makes no sense. So, Nick, that was very sloppy on your side. Do we want to see a showdown at SEC Media Day if they don't split them up? Uh, 
definitely, yeah. A, a, a good stare down, maybe like a you know a couple good slaps, and I think <laughs> that's enough to move on. Look, Jimbo, 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 he won the game last year, so uh, maybe Nick is still upset about that because look, if I'm Nick Saban, I feel like you should be have, able to have enough perspective and be like, hey, last year that was a blip on the radar. It ain't happening again. Bringing back Bryce Young, we bought a receiver from Georgia, Jermaine Burton. Uh, he's going to come over here, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're probably going to whoop Texas Stadium's ass this year. So I don't really understand why he's so bent out of shape. And the thing with Nick that is weird to me about like paying players and why he's like so publicly against it is you still have like the number one recruiting tool that no one else has. Like maybe George is coming for you, but. Like, you can get guys to the NFL better than anyone. So why are you out here complaining about what other teams are doing? Because you still have that draw. Like, even if you're not going to pay as much as the next man. Like, I remember the first time I covered the combine, there were guys who didn't even play at Alabama that got invited to the combine. Like, that's how deep this thing runs. So, Nick, you're going to be okay. Stop crying. And maybe get a little bit better at, at popping off of people in front of the mic because he kind of does have a problem with that. Is there a faint fire alarm going off behind you? Uh, no, there's some birds chirping. I'm in my backyard. Oh, okay. Mm. It's very consistent. I thought it was a fire alarm at first. And listen, in Las Vegas, we don't have wildlife. We don't hear birds chirping. Here. Yeah. It's not yeah. real. I'm in, I'm in Charlotte. I'm, uh, I'm near a lake. There's, uh, birds and trees. It's, it's great stuff. I probably won't ever go back to New York. Good for you. <laughs> Which cartoon name coach would you rather have? Would you rather your coach be named Kirby or Jimbo? Kirby, Kirby, because Jim, Jimbo, like I have, I'm, I'm allowed to say this because I'm, uh, I've, I've roots in the South, so I can say this. Anyone named Jimbo, it just, it's a little bit too, too redneck for me, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't trust someone named Jimbo. I don't know if I should trust someone named Kirby either, but, uh, I don't know. Jimbo just seems like someone who like in the middle of the night, you're going to find out that he has like built something in your yard and wants Want you to thank him for it, like a shed, just randomly in your front yard. Uh, no, he's doing a little bit too much. And honestly, I feel like if your name is Jindo, you're like prepositioned to be crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think we saw that this week. So I, I think I'm going to go with Kirby. Even though Kirby's not the most stable guy in the world, we've seen him have his moments on the sidelines, even when they're up by like 40 points against, you know, little sisters of the poor. So uh, I think they're both a little crazy, but I'll go with Kirby, also because he just got me a title. Go, dogs. <laughs> All right, let me transition a little. Press box transition. Do we get it? Uh, Baker yep. Mayfield's not going to OTAs. Does he show up to camp? Yes, yes. And I will tell you why. Because the last CBA, basically, the Browns have to get rid of him. Because the last CBA, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, basically nuked all that. Uh, he's, if you don't show up, you get fined 50 thousand American dollars per day <laughs> a year down at camp. <laughs> Fifty thousand dollars per day. Um and for Baker Mayfield, someone who's uh, I think at this point we can safely say it's not likely to see, you know, what a thirty plus million dollar per year contract extension, he would have to be insane to not show up day one and start just burning paychecks like that. So um I I don't really understand what the Browns are doing here. They put themselves in a really bad position. Uh, I think at this point they need to cut their losses because uh, like I just said, there's no reason for Baker Mayfield not to show up on day one, uh, you know, on the first day of practice. Because let's say 
I mean, he misses uh, the first three days of training camp. That's $150,000 gone from his bank account. Uh, I don't think he wants that. And in order for him not to do that, all he has to do is just show up to camp. I don't know, like, what would happen when he does show up. I know he's not at OTAs now because there's no fine system uh, involved with OTAs. But with training camp, that's when it starts to get serious with the, the monetary fine. So, you know, I, I don't think that Baker is crazy enough to just start burning money to fight the Browns. They owe him $18 million guaranteed, and he should get every single penny of that, whether it's from uh, the Browns or another team. And honestly, at this point, this is the Browns' fault. You had a chance to, to make a move. Maybe you wanted to hold him hostage because he gets some better value, but you have to look around the league. Who is looking for a starting quarterback right now? Carolina, Seattle, that's it. So they have no reason to, to, uh, to really play a hard bargain and, and run up the price. I just think that, you know, it, it, it's kind of a shame that it's come down to this because the Browns, to me, like they seemed like a few years ago, one of the organizations that was kind of trying to do things the right way, at least in terms of, uh, you know, how they build the roster. Uh, and now it just kind of feels like you're running back into some of the, the crap that John Dorsey was getting into where, you know, you have some questionable characters on the team and things are starting to fall out because of that. And now Baker, look, I, I personally, I think the Browns should just buy the whole and just cut him. Uh, whatever you've got on the cap this year, it's, it's almost June. It's done. You're not really going to make any more moves that are going to move the needle for you uh, at this point in the season unless you're going off a big trade. So, you know, they've put themselves in this corner, but – they have to cut him or they have to trade him because the new CBA basically mandates that he has to be there uh, day one. And if he's not there day one, I think we need to ask him if he's okay because why are you burning $50,000 a day for people that already owe you money? You know, Baker, show up to camp and uh, call the team because I think that's funny for me. Was going on the Paul Feinbaum show as insane as I believe the Paul Feinbaum show is? Uh, well, the... It was uh, my friends Richard Johnson and Spencer Hall that used to work at the Estimation. So I happened to be in Charlotte, and they're just like, hey, you want to stop by the studio? I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to stop by the studio and, uh, and do the show. And, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Uh, we didn't really prepare anything before the segment. We didn't talk about what we were going to talk about. Uh, we just kind of started riffing, and I knew it was going to be uh, – I knew I was about to say something dumb when they asked me what – company and co- what company would have sponsored me for my NIL bill in college because I played like crappy little D3 football and I, I was honest it was like easy waters and zigzag papers and maybe we'll, and you know I, I didn't say that I didn't say the second part but you know maybe a little Arizona tea because I think just about every time I pulled up the convenience store uh, in college the dude saw me and he pulled out rolling papers and charged me up for an Arizona ice tea that's what I got every single time so uh, yeah, you know, you, sometimes you hit a little herb for a football practice, it loosens you up, you feel a little bit better, and you get to keep on going. <laughs> Why was Rolling Papers in Arizona Ice Tea not the name of the podcast? That's a great name. Wow, that would be a great name. <laughs> hey, maybe look if I if I you know happen to have to change jobs and uh, make a new podcast. I think I'll, I'll name it that. You don't get any royalties, though. That's all me. Because I'm the one that put in the lung. I'm, I'm the one that put in the work to damage my lungs to get that joke off the time bomb yesterday. Well, he's Charles McDonald, four verts on Twitter. It's the exempt list is the name of his actual podcast. Charles, as always, yeah, we appreciate hey, Charles. it. 
right. Talk to you next week. Yeah. So there's Charles McDonald again at four verts on Twitter was filling in on the Paul Feinbaum show yesterday, which sounds like a delight <laughs> and also a disaster to do anything on the Paul Feinbaum show. That is a uh, marvel of sports talk radio coming up next though. Riley Smith joins the show. Bogosian to keep right point. Shoots. Oh. Save made. It dropped down. It's in. It's in. It's in. It's in. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Coming up this summer again, July 18th at Las Vegas Ballpark. It's the Battle for Las Vegas Charity Softball. And with us now is Riley Smith. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is year three, right? Of yep. the Battle for Vegas Charity Softball event. Um, you guys haven't announced who's going to be playing in this, right? Other than you. We haven't, no. Okay. So I think the rosters are still kind of up in the air a little bit. But um, it'll be pretty similar to years past where Raiders against Knights. And, uh, you know, I think there will be some familiar faces for a lot of the fans. This will be a little payback. Are you 0-2? You we are 0-2. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, we're not great, but... <laughs> We're going to have to uh, either work on our game a little bit, practice <laughs> these next couple months, or, or hire a couple ringers. So. I was going to say, you got to bring in some ringers. That's, yeah. that's the key here. That's definitely the easiest way to go about this. Although you did have the Nate Schmidt catch. We did. And, you know, maybe we'll bring him back. He's uh, <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> honestly, he's got to be available on the 18th. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. Who among your teammates, like, talks the most about being good at other sports? You know, I use him a lot, but probably Jonathan Marches. Okay. <laughs> it's tough. Like, I spend a lot of time around him. So, um, the problem is, he's actually pretty good at other sports. You know, I, I golf with him a lot, and he's always beating me, play tennis with him. I don't think I've ever won a set. So, it's either I'm no good or, or he's pretty good in other sports. Who is the best golfer? Let me guess. I'll guess it's Mark Stone. Yeah, it's probably him or Zach Whitecloud. Um, oh, really? Yeah, they're in a. a different level from than me. So um, they put a lot of time in and, and they're pretty dialed in in their game. So um, I got some work to do to get to there. All right. You can throw him under the bus. Is he more upset with his back injury that he can't play golf or that he had to miss actual hockey games? <laughs> For sure. Hockey. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, golf is, you know, secondary to everything, but um, yeah, that's tough. You know, our team this year, we went through a lot of injuries and uh you know, it's definitely tough watching the playoffs right now because, you know, we feel like we, we could have been there. How how are you? Obviously, you missed a lot of games, too. You were a part of that. How are you right now? Yeah, I, I'm good. I'm pretty healthy. Um, you know, it was definitely tough watching games and, and not being able to be out there with my teammates and, and help us with that push at the end. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll use the summer to get fully healthy and hopefully be back in, uh, you know, the Vegas gold next year. Are there any teams you actually cheer for? Or are you just so pissed that you're not there? I cheer for my brother's team. Right. Um, you know, he's he's playing really well right now, and I think Carolina's a, a pretty tough team to beat. So I watch all their games, and, um, you know, if one team's going to win, I obviously want him. Oh, wait, has, has Gerard Gallant yelled at your brother yet? Uh, he looked like he was yelling at everyone <laughs> on his last game. So, uh, you know, it, it's pretty exciting to, you know, to watch Gerard be able to play against my brother. There's a lot of animosity out there. So uh, it, it definitely makes it interesting and good TV. Uh, for the battle for Vegas, uh, some charities you guys are supporting, Maximum Hope, Communities in School. What do those charities do? Why are those the ones that you guys wanted to have as, as a part of this event? Well, when we were setting up this whole event, I think our, our main guideline or, or where we wanted to align our, uh, our goals was to be able to benefit uh, local families and, and kids. And I think 
both of those charities, Maximum Hope. Um, they do a great job really uh, raising money for families who have a child that's going through a life-limiting situation. And, um, you know, Brad Garrett actually started that uh, charity, so um, it's nice to be able to align with him, and, and hopefully he can make it out to the softball game, uh, maybe throw out a first pitch or something. And then communities and schools, I think education is so important, and they really do a great job um, putting kids in, in a one-on-one environment where, um, you know, they can be taught a lot and really putting kids in the um, the situation in the environment where they can learn it and have adults really engage with them on a one-on-one basis. You guys, uh, I don't know if there's another team that does more community service starting from the very first year uh, with the shooting. You Nobody knew much about you guys, but you're out in the community often. Why is this one so important to you? Why did you come forward and say, I'll be the guy that kind of headlines this? I think I've always wanted to do something and really give back to the community. Um, being able to come to Vegas, I felt like we were embraced and we were welcomed since day one. So um, I've never really been on a team long enough to, to be able to put something together. And then being able to play here for you know the past five years, it seemed like the, the perfect spot. And it's just such a great community that, that people outside Vegas don't understand. So um, it's been a goal for me and being able to have the longevity I've had in the NHL. I'm very fortunate and, and I'd really just like to be able to give back. And I think kids and um, kids in need is the main focus for me. You mentioned a minute ago, hope to be back in the Vegas gold. Have you had any conversations about a new contract here with Vegas? Yeah, we've talked, and um, I'm very hopeful that I'll be able to stay here. Um, you know, I, I think things have to kind of keep progressing in the right direction, but, uh, you know, I'm very hopeful, you know, hopefully that I can play the rest of my career here. It's It's been great for me, my career, my family, so, um, you know, I wouldn't want to play anywhere else. Is there any sense, when we talked during the year about this, is there any sense, you said at that point your agent, you know, you, you were playing at that point, so you didn't want to deal with it. Is there any sense, though, being UFA uh, that you're not happy with, but it allows you to think more than, you know, in the past when you were held to a team, that maybe you start thinking, hey, there's other opportunities, other people want me, or is it just like, this is the place I want to be and I'll do everything I can to stay here? Honestly, a couple of years ago, you know, I thought being a UFA would be super cool and you can kind of court a bunch of different teams. But, you know, the situation I'm in and – I've fallen in love with this city. I, I love the teammates. I love the organization. I really just want to play here. So, um, you know, that, that's my, my main goal. So if that doesn't work out, you know, you have to look otherwise. But, um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I'd love to be able to play the rest of my career here. Being a UFA is cool if you don't like where you currently are. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're playing in Winnipeg and you want to get some sunshine, then, you know, Vegas is at the top of your list. How much... Do you or any of the players pay attention to like salary cap situation for your team? Because obviously that's been part of the issue the teams have dealt with over the last couple of seasons. Like how much do you guys pay attention to that? Or is that just teams got to figure that out and, and hopefully I get the, the contract that I want? Yeah. You know, I really used to try to pay attention. I think a lot of people do, but there are so many different rules. It's actually pretty hard. <laughs> like we were going through the season and we weren't even sure where we were at the salary cap because crazy things were happening. Um, you know, we just hope there's there's someone in charge that's looking after and taking care of all the numbers. Our job is just to go out there and play. Um, obviously, when you're in a contract uh, negotiation, that comes into play a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I try to let those people take care of that, and I just take care of the, 
what I can on the ice. Do you have? Do you get to request meetings with the capologist to be like, all right, explain what exactly is happening? Honestly, here? I would need a calculator <laughs> and and probably a lot more things. Um, but it's uh, like I said, that that's that's what they're able to do. Um, you know, I'm sure that teams are able to offer so much or so little, and uh, that's just the part of a, a cap world. But um, you know, I'm hoping that that I can find something that works here. I mean, if you stay, it's the third coach in six seasons. Um, we didn't get to talk to you about Pete's dismissal, though. Um, what are your thoughts? A lot of guys kind of gave him um, on the exits, uh, interviews, a lot of, you know, support, but that's out of your hands. So when that happens and now it's going to be a third guy, if you stay, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I think it's a, it's a tough situation. It's not exactly a fair league for, for coaches, and I think there's a lot of turnaround because – you know, if a team underperforms for whatever reasons, if it's injuries or just bad or poor play, it's easier to get a new coach than a whole team. And I don't think that's fair, but it seems like that's the trend in the NHL. I think Pete has done a great job with our team. Like you said, three coaches in five or six years. It seems like a lot, but, you know, I was in Florida and we had two coaches in two years, and it seems like that's just the trend. Um, you know, I'm sure Pete will find a, a new home in, in somewhere where, He's able to transform a team, I think, like he did with us. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those tough situations that's, that's part of the business. There's been talk about, like, the style of play that uh, the Golden Knights should look for in their next coach. What do you think the best style of play or the best that the new coach should come in should have to fit this roster the best? You know, it's tough because there's so many different facets in games and um, a lot of people different talk, or talk about different styles. You know, I, I think we're a highly skilled team probably better than we've ever had, um, you know, in that realm. So maybe play like an open, looser game. You know, I was pretty impressed with how for the Florida Panthers played this year. It seemed like no matter what, they could be losing by four goals in the third period, and somehow they'd scored six or five to, to end up coming back and winning. And um, they had a lot of skill on their team, and I, and I think that, you know, we can match that. And um, – Fans like scoring goals, right? And they, they like watching that. So, um, you know, I, I think that that would be a, a main focus of, you know, maybe a transition game or something that can get us going up the ice because we have a lot of fast players. How was the addition of Jack Eichel? It was great. Honestly, he, uh, he came in and really embraced being on our team. And, uh, you know, he's a world-class player. And I think everyone who watched a game or watched any one of his shifts could, could see that. So... He's a, he's a guy that, that's going to help the Golden Knights in the future for sure. All right. You told us beforehand that you like to golf a lot. What else are you really into that nobody else would expect or know about? What other hobbies does Riley Smith have that, that might be interesting? You know, I don't have too many hobbies. So, you know, I watch a lot of movies, play golf, and um, take my dog for walks. It's really not too much. <laughs> you know, I try to play tennis every now and then. Um, you know, I actually tried to pick up surfing last week, but it doesn't look like that's going to go anywhere. So I'll, uh, I'll hang up my wetsuit, and uh, I probably should have left in California. Wait, you tried to pick it up. How how long did you go trying to pick it up? I did three days in a row, and oh. I was, oh, I was up early. I really tried to give it, you know, my honest <laughs> uh, my honest try, but uh, it's 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 really hard. And I never grew up skateboarding or or doing anything like that, so it's pretty foreign to me. What did you what did you struggle with? Did you get up on the board at all? Like I mean, you could get up, but I felt like as soon as you're standing on top of a wave, 
you know, four or five foot wave and you're looking down, it feels like you're on the top of a half pipe looking down <laughs> completely vertical. So, so that's tough. Would so you be better ice, than Marshall? Ice so good, it? water bad. Honestly, you got to freeze the water and then I'm set. <laughs> Marshall would probably say he's great at it and he's probably never been on a board. Honestly, I can completely agree with you on that. <laughs> Lower center of gravity. <laughs> Maybe that's key. I don't know. <laughs> well, he is Riley Smith. Battle for Las Vegas. Again, July 18th at Las Vegas Ballpark Charity Softball. Uh, Golden Knights first Raiders. Uh, we look forward to seeing what the rosters are. Riley, we appreciate your time. Thanks, this Thank you. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Thanks for having me in, guys. Appreciate it. Puck is free. Kadri. He scores! Throw the chapeau! The Kadriman can! Three goals in the game, and the Avalanche lead is back to two! We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. Thank you to Riley Smith for joining the show last segment. If you missed that at lvsportsnetwork.com after the show or anywhere that you find your podcasts, uh, the battle for Vegas charity softball game is coming to Vegas on July 18th. Uh, so you can go out support some good causes and watch some golden Knights and probably some other hockey players and maybe some ringers uh, take on. He's, he's got to get some ringers. Hey, you can't go with two. No. Oh, and three. Or he can't go in three. I mean, no, he already can't do that. Two. He's got to. He's got to buy some ringers. <laughs> your your charity softball with your name on it. You can't be. Over Listen, three. that team's got to be over the cap. <laughs> that softball team. We well, should have asked him that. What's, yeah, his salary cap? what's your salary yeah. cap for your softball who you, team? Who are you putting on long term? Get your capologist on there, and you'll be over there, and you'll be over the cap. <laughs> Maybe don't have guys uh, with uh, reconstructed ACLs. Well, that's, like, that's like their whole team. Yeah. No, if we're eliminating what I'm injured players, that's like yeah. the entire Golden Knights roster. Well, they don't okay. need to be Golden Knights per se, right? Like They can be yeah, that former. Out there running around. Yeah. Um, Derek Eggwood, get him out. He wants to come back. He said he wants to spend the rest of his career here. I believe that. In Vegas as a Golden Knight. He's an unrestricted free agent. He made $5 million last year. Golden Knights already over the salary cap yeah. going into next season. That doesn't matter. Is there a way that Riley Smith is on the team? I mean, team I'm not a year? capologist, but I think there is a way that they somehow figure it out with him. I think they think he's, I mean, he's a really good player. Um, I think it should matter that he's, he's a really, nice guy. He's really good for the community. I mean, he does things like this. Um, Friend of the show. <laughs> Friend of the show. Um, I think there's a way to make it out. You know the salary cap. I mean, they're going to have to do a bunch of things. Now, again, We've talked about in the past, he's a UFA, so we didn't really bring him up in the past in terms of, you know, people they need to let go to get under the cap. Is there a guy or guy, you know, one or two guys in your mind who are not UFAs, who they, if they really want to retain Riley, who they could move on from that make the big salary? We always come back to Pacioretty. So the obvious one is Evgeny Dodonov, simply because they already What's tried to at? trade him. He's Three? at five. He's, oh, he's at five. He's at $5 million. Uh, that's the obvious one is Evgeny Dodonov because they already tried to trade him away. And that's exactly what Riley Smith is making now. Now, Smith, I assume, would make more than that if he actually became a mm -hmm. free agent and, and oh, and he shot, it was shot teams. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I assume he'd get a raise on the $5 million, but I don't know that for sure. But if we're just sort of using five as just a generic baseline number, Dodonov is the obvious one. Makes the same amount as Riley Smith was making. They already tried to trade this guy. So I think that's a high high possibility, high probability that Evgeny Dodonov is somebody that's moved. Because here's the other situation. Before you even talk about Riley Smith coming back, just looking at cap friendly right now, cap hit 
or salary cap next year, $82.5 million in the NHL. The Golden Knights already have 18 players under contract for $83 million. Yeah, they're already out. They're already over, and 18 is not a full roster. Right. Right? Like, you, you, I mean, technically, you can play with 18, but you presumably want to have at least 20. So they're going to have to make moves just to get under the cap. Before they worry about who they're signing. Before adding anybody right. to the team. So, but if you... Take Pacioretty. Like, let's just say in, in a scenario, they trade away Evgeny Dodonov, they trade away Max Pacioretty. That's $12 million that's freed up, right? And gets you about $11 million under the cap. Now, you need to sign about five players to get mm-hmm. just to the roster there. But $12 million, $11 million in cap space, that would allow you to sign a Riley Smith if it's, let's just say, $5 million or whatever. And then sign another player at three million or something like that, and then you uh, you need to then you'd have some cheap guys. You'd have to get some you know league minimum guys, right. or maybe they come up. You know, does a Jonas Ronberg or Jake Lashizen or whatever get a more permanent spot or something like that? But there is a way to do it. It's just a matter of what does the front office prioritize in the offseason, right. because the Bill Foley quote about we don't want we just need to make some tweaks or some adjustments there is always going to sort of hang in my head when we talk about what they're going to do in the offseason. What does that mean? Because that, to me, implies we're going to trade Evgeny Dodonov and we're going to spend that $4 million we just created in cap space to fill out the rest of the roster, and that's our team, right. right? That, to me, is what, hey, just a few adjustments. That, to me, is what that sounds like. But that's not how the Golden Knights have ever operated, and if they have the ability, whether it's Riley Smith or somebody else, if they have the ability to go after a free agent that they think will make the talent level better, they're probably going to do that. They're probably going to say, yeah, Riley Smith or whatever free agent there is, or hell, it could be a trade. We've seen them make plenty of these trades. Like that's the interesting part is what do they prioritize? Because they don't have a coach at the moment. I don't know how much the coach would actually have an input. I assume there would be some level of communication where the coach would say, yeah, it also depends on the coach. These are the type of players I right. want, or this is the right. type of player the I need. Or whatever he's going to run. Exactly. That they could go into the offseason. There could be a free agent that they are in love with. There's a guy that like, yep, we, we want to have that guy. And how do we make that happen? We got to trade away Max Pacioretty and Evgeny Dodonov right. to make it happen. That If that's the case, then that's not really just a few minor adjustments. That's a pretty significant thing. But I think the... Evgeny Dodonov is the obvious one. If Robin Leonard is projected to be healthy at the start of the season, or even close to the start of the season, Laurent Brossois is an obvious one as well. Yes. Because that's 2.3 yeah, million. Logan Thompson will just come up with, right. what's Logan Thompson, 750? Seven or eight, something like Maybe that. Maybe 800,000? Yeah. It's $766,000 okay. is his cap hit for next year. So you Nothing. you save $1.5 right. if you move, move on from Tom, or from Brossois for Thompson. Those are the two obvious ones. If Leonard is out for an extended period of time, then obviously you've got to do something there. I'll give you a hot take. I think they re-sign Riley Smith. What do you think? I think I agree with you. Because I think if you I think if you sat down and asked the front office, if it was it, it's not this easy because they're over the cap, but if you said if Gany Dodonov or Riley Smith, oh, you're picking Riley Smith. You're picking Smith, even if you've got to trade away a third round pick with right. Dodonov. I think I think this front office would say yeah, we'd yes. rather have Riley Smith than Evgeny Dodonov yes. and whatever that pick is.